I hope you're doing well and a happy uh, 4th of July weekend to you. Um, I hope you have uh, great plans. How many of you have off uh, Monday and Tuesday? Anybody have off Monday and Tuesday? Okay, anybody have just Tuesday off? Okay, anybody like working the entire way through? Oh, man, you're strong. Okay, you're strong. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll stand with you. So, guys, please, um, please enjoy the uh, time that you have off together. Uh, it's one thing to, you know, take a break. It's another thing to enjoy one another's company uh, while you're doing it. And what we strongly believe in is, is that we're here to worship God, um, to have fellowship with him first and foremost, that he provided through Jesus Christ himself, providing a way of reconciliation um, to God the Father through the cross. Uh, Jesus took our punishment, our shame, you know, all of our sin that was against standing against God, and he forgave it. He washed us clean and made a way so that we could have relationship with God once again. Um, Cole and I were talking to a, a, a young woman earlier uh, this week who actually another person who just gave their life to the Lord and is learning about Jesus freshly and um, wants to get baptized and is learning about all the good things of God, which is exciting and good. That's why we're here, right? But what we, uh, what we were talking to her about is this fact that it's not just about rules and religion, but it's about relationship, relationship with God the Father, right? And relating to him in a powerful and a real way. And so uh, she's excited about learning about that and um, like learning about how to be a Christian, really, how to be a follower of Jesus, a, a child of God. Um, but not only do we believe in um, relationship with the Father, but relationship with one another, right? So you have the vertical and the cross going to the Father, but you also have the horizontal being connected to his people, to one another, and building lives together. And Jesus stretching out his arms on that cross, he was beckoning us, saying, come, come. I won't turn you away. Come. I've made a way for you. Now come. And I always think about that song, you know, arms wide open and think about Jesus singing it to us. And so um, enjoy one another's company is the point. I wanted to also tell you that uh, we have uh, several special things going on uh, this week. Uh, this afternoon, uh, I'll be with a couple people uh, from the church. Um, Neri Kate, let me get this name right <laughs> because I'm performing the wedding. Sorry, there have been so many weddings. Like, so it's actually, it's actually Mary Kate and Nate today, this afternoon. That's right, they're not here, but you can clap for them. They'll hear you on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Mary Kate and Nate are actually getting married this afternoon uh, downtown. And so, um, you know, be sure to text them, Facebook message them and all that good stuff. They'll get it back. Uh, they'll get it when they get back from their honeymoon, I'm sure. Um, but I'm sure they would love to hear from you. And then uh, additionally, not only are they getting married this afternoon, but we actually have our team as we speak down in the Dominican Republic. And so um, as you've been um, praying, as you've been believing, as you've been giving and fasting and all that good stuff, they're actually there on the ground now doing the work of God uh, there in Santa, uh, um, in the uh, region of the Dominican Republic. And uh, as I said last week, if you want to pray alongside of them, we've posted that both on the web and also on Facebook. So you know their itinerary day by day. You can actually be there vicariously with them, joining them in prayer and all that God's doing uh, through the ministry down there. So please check those uh, sites out. But they actually sent their first um, report of what happened um, while they were there. They arrived Friday and were ministering yesterday and just wanted me to uh, share it with you. So if you'd bear with me very quickly, this is uh, what the team is doing down there. Um, so there's Erica Jellerson uh, writing a concise update, and she said, what an amazing first day. We were able to enjoy an authentic Dominican breakfast as a team before heading to Pastor Pives, who's actually the pastor hosting them for ministry down there. He says, once we arrived, 
he, meaning Pastor Pai, was able to tell his story, give updates, and explain the way the feeding program works. As you remember, during the different um, times of year, like Christmas and um, some of the other holidays, we take up special offerings for the children that they're feeding down there. And so he was describing that to them. People were able to lay their eyes on some of the children who were benefiting from your offerings. It was an amazing experience for us as a team to be able to walk the neighborhood, meet families, and just yesterday, feed over 200 children feed over 200 children who normally don't get um, the food and nutrition that they need. And starvation is a very real issue in that community. And so they got to, just yesterday, feed over 200 of them um, through your gifts and offerings. So thank you. Um, a couple of hours later, we were blessed to see children sitting in on their own children's service as, at Casa Belen. The children are amazing. Tomorrow we start the VBS, which for you th- who haven't grown up in church, it's a uh, vacation Bible school um, with the kids. We're ending the night with worship as a team. We've grown so much as a family already, and you can follow some of our photos at hashtag 2NDCityDR2017. So I'm never on Twitter, so you can find it some other way. So what that means is lost on me. So hashtag DR, they're down there. You can find them. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So that's, uh, that's great. So please continue to pray for them as a minister in that uh, nation and continue to minister to the children. So today what we're going to do is um, we're going to get straight into the Word of God and actually just do a one-part um, series called Freedom. Obviously, we're um, celebrating uh, Independence Day this Tuesday, and uh, what we like to do thematically is like r- not only see what God has done in the natural, but also apply it to what he's done very in a very real manner in the spiritual for us. And so if Jesus has done every, anything for us, he's provided freedom for us. Is that not true? He says it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. That's what Paul said to the church in Galatia when he was writing to them. And so he said, because of that freedom, do not be yoked again, therefore, by a bond of slavery. Because Jesus came to not only forgive your sins, not only to wash you, but literally to set you free from the slavery that once bound you and that held you captive to a life that was lived in rebellion to him and that was destructive, not only to your own existence, but to those around you, whether you realized it or not. And so today we're going to focus on one of the things that Jesus said about freedom, and it's taken out of John 8, if you have a Bible today. John 8, it's a familiar passage where Jesus was speaking not only about his identity, but also the work that he was accomplishing, um, going to accomplish through the cross. And today we're going to talk about freedom in terms of the importance of abiding. Number two, what true freedom looks like. Number three, the real slavery that exists in the world. But finally, asking the question, if that's the case, who's your daddy, as he has provided that freedom for us, okay? So let's go into the Word of God as we pray, and um, hopefully we'll be encouraged today. So, Father, thank you so much for your Word to us today. Lord Jesus, even as we uh, take this rest and celebrate Independence Day here in this country, God, we're also remembering in worship the freedom that you've provided for us. And so, God, we're asking you that today, not only would we hear it, but we live in the power of it. 
that whatever chains, shackles, and bondage that people have come in with in their hearts, their minds, their emotions, even in their physical bodies, God, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would provide liberty today. Even as we lift you up in worship, we thank you that you said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there's liberty. And so, God, we're asking that you would help us by faith to live out and um, live and leave this place in the liberty that you provided for us through Christ Jesus. In your mighty name, amen. Okay, so John 8, John 8, starting in verse 31. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Again, Jesus in his entire ministry, he was ministering in modern day Israel and he was pretty much focused on a 30 mile radius of ministry, but had through that ministry an impact on the entire world. So he always said that this gospel, this good news is first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. He said, I'm coming first to the lost sheep of Israel. And so he's ministering in this context to the Jewish audience. And many of them are becoming believers as he ministers to them. And as he shows his power, working signs, wonders, and miracles. And so it says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many people have heard that before? Okay. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is giving us this very clear distinction. We talk about it all the time, but it's one thing to grow up in an environment of faith. It's one thing to grow up being exposed to the word of God. One of the things about um, Christian ministry and Jesus actually ministering first to the Jewish population is he was coming referencing things that they would have already grown up with. They already had the law of God given by Moses. They already had the historic books, meaning like the Kings and Chronicles, chronicling what God did throughout history in covenant with his people. They already had the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, and others who were calling the people of God when they went astray, though they'd been exposed to the right things of God, back to the law that they might actually have life and relationship with him. And Jesus was ministering to this audience, much like we're ministering often in Chicago to an audience that's been exposed to the gospel before, right? Many of your friends or coworkers or family members, they might have grown up in a Catholic home. They might have grown up in a non-denominational home or some sort of home where they have at least heard the good news of Jesus before. But always we see that there's a temptation to hear the word but not apply it in our lives, right? That's why Jesus said, it's not blessed are those who not only hear my word, but put it into practice. And so he was ministering to this audience who had been exposed to the word and had this understanding of the word, but they assumed that just because they had been exposed to it, they were in right standing with God. 
And Jesus had to make a real distinction and draw a line in the sand and say, just because you've been exposed to me doesn't mean you're in right relationship with me. And just because you've been exposed to me doesn't mean that I've actually done a dynamic work in your life to set you free from the bondage that all of you are in because of sin in your lives. It's one thing, I mean, I have obviously, you know, four kids of my own, and it's one thing to day after day make efforts to share the truth with them, to share the good news with them, to teach them about the Word of God. But how many people know that it is not enough that they're riding on mom and dad's coattails, that one day they're going to have to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ on their own? One of the powerful things that one of the parents was telling me yesterday um, when we were doing the rehearsal is that they raised their child in the faith. They're strong. They love God. They try to serve God wholeheartedly. But it wasn't until the, the child was an adult and they made a decision for Jesus themselves and started following him wholeheartedly that they could actually see the freedom in their lives. That they actually said it's actually through an encounter of Jesus as an adult that they were set free like Jesus is talking about here. And it wasn't enough that they said we're so-and-so's children. We're so-and-so's children who was an elder or a deacon or a pastor in a church or on a board somewhere, some way, somehow. We actually had to make a decision, and because we made a decision, Jesus set us free. We actually found him, and he did a powerful work in our life to change us. But the question is, is if Jesus is drawing this line in the sand and saying this must happen in everyone's life some way, somehow, at some point in time, how do we actually do it? And Jesus actually said very specifically that it's by abiding in his word. It's by abiding in his word. Jesus said, ultimately, if you are going to be set free, you need to choose to be a disciple of mine. You need to choose to be a disciple of mine. Not just a believer, not just spiritual, not just somebody who uh, mentally has an agreement or an assent to God, but actually somebody who chooses to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, what's the difference between the two? The difference between the two is ultimately putting your faith into action through lifestyle. A disciple in that time was somebody who did not just hear the things that their teacher proclaimed, but they modeled their life after the teachings of their instructor. They basically said, I want to be one who looks like the instructor. I want to be one who thinks like him, who talks like him, who reacts like him. In every way, I want to pattern my life after him so that even in the New Testament, the Christians, as they were called in Antioch, were called so because they were like little Christ. They were people who looked like Jesus, and they actually acted like Jesus, thought like him, and began to model their lifestyle in that way. Well, how were they able to do that? They were able to do that because they had a pattern of abiding in his word. So that's the first point, abiding in his word. Abiding in God's word helps you remember the reality of God's meta-narrative. The reality of God's meta-narrative. 
when Cole and I were talking to the young lady the other day, part of what we went through, and we encourage everybody to do this whenever you're trying to make disciples, is use tools, tools that are available to you. One of those tools that we have is the purple book, free purple book, Bible study, to get people in the foundations of the faith. But there's also a free app on your iPhone or on your Android where basically you can actually call, it's called the one-to-one, and it takes you in an abbreviated form through those same foundations, and it makes it interactive. But when we were going through that, what we were doing is we were saying, all right, this is how you abide in his word. You understand the meta narrative. why the gospel is even important in the first place, why it's important that somebody be reconciled to God. Now, if you're living in a world that's not connected to him by majority, and I think that most of us would agree that by majority, friends, family members, co-workers are not connected to him. If you're living in a world like that and you're trying to proclaim Jesus as important to their lives, what they need to understand prior to understanding Jesus as a solution is the problem that of their disconnection from God, right? Before there's a need for salvation, you need to understand the problem that's disconnecting people that necessitates the salvation that Jesus provided, And so this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, you need to abide in my word because there is a meta narrative. There is a creation story from the beginning helping people to understand that this world, though they just showed up in it, doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the one who created it. And the one who created it, this is the meta narrative, is given us life, gifts, relationships, and he says, do it and live in it as I would. And if you do that, what you'll be doing is be obeying my commands, and as you obey my commands, it will lead to blessing and life for you, right? God says, obey me continually and live. But when we disobey, what happens is that our life begins to unravel. Whether we realize the commands of God or not, we have our consciences, right? And when we see that our consciences are speaking against our lifestyle and our activity, a lot of times we can point to mistakes that we've made, whether we've been exposed to God or not, and that's God's mercy. Because he says, even when people have been separated from me, I've written that meta-narrative on their hearts so that they'll understand that the way that they're living right now, opposed to the grand design that I have for them, is ultimately destroying their lives, right? As an example, if I'm living in a relationship and I am with my wife in any way abusive or I'm any way unfaithful, that's going to unravel that which was meant to be good, right? But on the contrary, if I obey God's commands to love her as Christ loved the church, to serve her, to be gentle with her, to be forgiving and understanding, then it's going to go well. And so what God's saying is that by abiding in his word, there is a way that people are walking where they're stumbling over and over again. And they don't even understand what's impacting their lives because it's like they're walking with blinders on. They're walking in darkness. And the Bible says we're not unaware unaware of what makes us stumble when we're disconnected from the head, from the one who created us. But whenever Jesus came, prior to that portion of scripture that we just read, he talked about being the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. And those who walk in me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
What's he talking about there? He's saying, I'm going to illuminate for you how I created the world, how I intended relationships, how they best function, and how you're going to be blessed if you walk in my ways. So he's saying, if you abide in me, and if you cling to the meta narrative that I have, instead of stumbling continually in ignorance and darkness, not knowing why your life is unraveling, he said, abide in me, live in me, live in the words, my self-revelation of who I am and how I've ordered the universe, how I've ordered relationships, how I've ordered your work, how I've ordered your life and your pursuits, and it will go well with you. It centers you in worship, the gospel, meaning his word, and the purpose of God expressed through Jesus on the cross. Without his word, without abiding in his word, there is no true freedom. There is no real walking and freedom because ultimately we drift quite naturally into worship of some other kind. If we're not worshiping God, we ultimately, whether we like it or not, end up worshiping something or something else. John Calvin said it this way, our hearts are idol factories. Anybody ever heard that before? It's like what that means is that an idol is anything that you ultimately put before creator God in your life and his ways. And we naturally have a proclivity. It's like this cosmic suction that we have to worship somebody or something. It's either going to be a relationship. It's going to be your work. It's going to be money. It's going to be some idea of success. It's going to be the thing that's constantly on your mind and in your heart and driving you as you wake up in the morning, right? It's sort of like, do you, do you ever wake up and then immediately get gripped with anxiety because of the things that are driving you and that you're pursuing? Well, it's because of the fact that ultimately we're all driven towards some sort of worship. That's our design. And we're either going to worship the one who loves us and made us and by his word shows us how it's done successfully, or we're going to worship that which is destructive. Fyodor Dostoevsky. Anybody ever find his name to be a tongue twister? Okay, all right. Crime and punishment, okay? So I'll only say his name once. So he said this, man, so long as he remains free, so long as he remains free, has no more constant and agonizing anxiety than find as quickly as possible someone to worship. Anybody ever find that to be true? It's sort of like that, that even plays itself out. If you can't relate to it in terms of your work life, you can relate to it sometimes in terms of relationship, the holy sepulcher, or the gr- holy grail that people have in their hearts, right? That's how people are so often, I, I'm glad about doing the wedding this afternoon, but so many people are disappointed by marriage because of the fact that they thought if I could just get in this relationship and I could just get married, all my troubles, all my fears, all my woes will disappear, Because ultimately, this person will be my savior. This person will free me emotionally. This person will finally satisfy my deepest needs and my deepest hungers. And let me tell you something. Marriage is great. And God actually said about Adam, you know, it's not good for him to be alone, right? 
So there are good things about relationship. But if you try to replace that person with the God who created you, you will ultimately be disappointed. You will ultimately be putting a burden on them that they are not meant to satisfy that they are not meant to uphold in you and you'll be constantly frustrated with them because they're not the God in your life you wanted them to be. And the point of that is, is God says, I'm alone the one you're to worship. I the one, I'm alone the one you're to serve. And if you can ground yourself through my word and abide in me, then instead you'll be filled up into, um, to be able to serve the one you love rather than trying to pull from them the satisfaction that should only come from him. He says, abide in me. Abide in me. And that's why some people, when they're in unhealthy relationships prior to marriage, okay, once you're married, Listen, done deal. You work it out. But I'm talking about prior to marriage, right? Prior to marriage, they have a hard time separating themselves from relationships that are unhealthy because they've begun looking to a person as savior. They've begun to, they wouldn't say it off their lips, but effectually worship the one that they're clinging to. And God's like, I can set you free from that, get you to a place of health if you abide in my word and worship me as I am. He says, if any of you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you pattern your life after me, you're truly my disciples. And then in that context, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. What truth is he talking about? It's true freedom that he's talking about. The truth about relationships, pleasures, happiness. It almost seems like what's driving people today, the pursuit of happiness, right? Isn't that what our nation was founded on, right? The pursuit of, yeah, life, liberty, okay, pursuit of happiness. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so he says pleasures, happiness, the truth about this, and even life purpose for those who are existential in here. Why am I here? (laughs) You know, what's my life purpose? Satisfaction and peace are all in Christ through his word. It is your very plain roadmap to achieving what stands at the heart of all mankind as most desirable. It is because we were made that way, designed by God and for him, that we need to look to his word. Jesus is saying, listen, you are made by me and for me. So if you're looking for happiness, you're going to find it in me because you were designed by me and for me. If you're looking for satisfaction, it's going to be through me, because you were designed by me and for me. And so without me, you're missing the supercharge to actually help you be filled with life to actually accomplish it. True freedom is being able to walk in your ultimate design and life calling. A man named George McDonald actually said this. He said, free will, free will, contrary to what people think, Free will is not the liberty to do whatever one likes, but it's the power of doing whatever one sees ought to be done, even in the very face of otherwise overwhelming impulse. There lies true freedom. There lies true freedom. What is he saying there? It's basically what the gospel was talking about. Then when Peter said, hey, listen, God has caused you to be born again by a living and enduring word, a living and enduring word, imperishable seed. And he says it's a 
the, the perfect law that gives freedom. And in our present generation, right, if you think about all the discussions that are be, taking place, whether in person over, or in the public or in the Internet, right, it's all about the laws that I try to shackle us. But Jesus said to the contrary, it's my law that gives true freedom. Now, in talking to people in the city all over and over again, part of what I have to talk about is that how does that, how does that actually play itself out? He's calling me to a law that gives freedom. Well, we have to plainly point out that when people are living contrary to the law, they're not actually living in freedom, but they're living in the impulses that are destroying their lives. They're living in the lusts that are having their relationships unravel. And this is the slavery that Jesus was talking about. He says, if anyone practices or lives a lifestyle of sin, they're a slave to sin. They're a slave. Whether they want to do something different or not, whether they make New Year's resolutions or not, there's something inside of them detached from God the Creator that has them living by impulse, destroying their lives in all types of addictions, alcoholisms, drug use, right? All types of relational strains that are enslaving them, being driven by those impulses, not calling it slavery, but functionally and effectually it is. It's slavery that binds them. It's slavery that drives them to these destructive patterns. And what George MacDonald is saying is like, but Jesus is calling us back to his word, back to his law, by which he comes and abides in us. And then as he lives in us relationally, he gives us the power to leave free from the things that were previously destroying us. So you're no longer just a product of impulse, but you've come to boundaries that give you the ability to live free. I feel freer when I have boundaries around me. Does anybody ever else feel that way? Okay, think about, like, uh, think about going on the road for the 4th of July, and I want people to live with boundaries. Do you not? Okay, all, and all that traffic, I don't want people to go like, you know, Tip, tip, and then go buck wild. I want you to stay in your lane. I want to stay in mine. Boundaries actually provide health. Boundaries provide safety. Boundaries actually provide a flow of traffic that leads to life and liberty. And this is what Jesus is saying. Without the law, you're actually enslaved in a way that you don't realize. Though you call it freedom. But when you submit to his law, that's the thing that actually leads to freedom. His law actually leads to blessing in life and the very thing that people are after when they pursue him in the first place. St. Augustine, or Augustine, whatever you want to say, he described real slavery this way. He said, he that is kind which is what? A fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? You can have people who are very successful and (laughs) very, you know, captains of their industry, but they're just nasty people. Anybody ever experienced that before? It's like, man, you've conquered everything on the outside, but inwardly, you're bitter. 
You're nasty. You don't know how to like relate with people. You have great business acumen, but you don't have a whole lot of social skill. Am I ever real? Okay. Anyway. Augustine said this, he that is kind is free, though he is a slave. And he that is evil is a slave, though he be a king. Because ultimately, the slavery that he's talking about, Jesus is an internal one. And he says, it's not enough that you've been exposed. I need to put my seed in you, the Holy Spirit in you, through your repentance and belief in the good news of the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, so that I can make a very real and very powerful exchange with you, so that I, in essence, put my DNA inside of you and give you the ability to be called a child of mine. Because without being a child of mine, you are still enslaved to the things that are driving you by impulse. But when you're born again and you choose to obey my teaching, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, is what Jesus said. Now that's more than just being able to recite a couple of Bible verses. It's more than just having a knee-jerk reaction. Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave with one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's actually being in a relationship with him. And he said, think about this. Jesus said, if you choose to obey my teaching, you're crafting yourself as my disciple, you'll know the truth. Now, is he just talking about a concept there? The answer is no. He's talking about himself. He's talking about a person. You'll know me and I'll set you free. And that's the good news because he says later, I am the way... I am the truth, and I'm the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so he's saying, if you choose to obey my teaching, you'll know me, and I'll set you free. Good news, right? All relational context again. It's like I don't have to just go, mia copa, mia copa, beating my back all the time. You know, going through all types of penance. You know, trying to absolve myself of all the things I've done wrong. How many people would say like me, too many to number? Okay, well, I'm alone. All right, too many to number, I say. Too many to number. But the good news is this, that Jesus says, you're washed clean in me. It is finished in me. Because of the cross, no more guilt, no more shame, no more condemnation. Good news. He says, instead of being a slave, I'll give you the designation as a son or a daughter. And a son or a daughter belongs in the house forever. A slave, though they might show up at service week after week, but then go out and do the same things, living like hell like they were before, somebody comes in here who instead says, no, 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 I choose to obey his teaching, I choose to be a disciple, and I'm going to be different as I leave this place because I'm going to meet with him. They leave different. They leave as a son or a daughter, and they have a confidence that they're meant to be in the house forever. And that's good news to me because even after serving God, I've made plenty of mistakes. Can anybody say amen to that with me? Okay. And I think about my own children. And though I discipline them, I'm not trying to kick any one of them out. 
yet. And so the thing is, the thing is, is that, listen, that's God with us. That's a different relationship, right? People, I talk about people of other faiths and other religions all the time, and I feel burdened in my heart because they relate to God as if he's somebody who's just keeping score. And they won't know till the day of judgment whether they made it or not. They won't know. It's sort of like, well, hopefully on the scales, I'll have done more good than bad. And then God, the heavenly creator, will accept me. How many people know that's no way to live? And God prepared a way for us so that we might know, as John the Apostle said, I write these things to you so that you might know that you have eternal life. That you know you're a child of God. That you know that he's going to relate to you as you choose to abide in his word and accept what Jesus has done for you in a way that leads to life, liberty, freedom on this earth and eternal life to boot to come. That's the good news. And when we're expressing it to people, we need to express it not just in a, an idea, but as an idea, but in terms of a relational freedom that he brings by meeting the person of Christ. But whenever Jesus was saying this, and this is a final point, he was basically saying, unbeknownst to us, in essence, he was talking to them and saying, listen, you're saying we have Abraham as our father, our ancestor. You know, because of our lineage, our natural lineage, we're fine with God. Jesus, don't come to me and talk to me that I have need of anything. I have this natural lineage of Abraham as my father, so I'm not, I've never been a slave to anyone. Well, Jesus said, to the contrary, you can tell your slavery by your lifestyle. Right? You know a tree by its fruit. You know a tree by its fruit. An orange produces oranges. Or an orange tree, rather, produces oranges. An apple tree produces apples. He said, no good tree can bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear bad fruit. He's like, but through repentance and faith, he'll change not just your fruit, but the type of tree you are. The type of tree you are. You see, that's relational terms. Again, I'll I'll change who you are, not just what you do. And the reason that's important is because unbeknownst to us, we can be shaped by the pattern of the world around us if we're not being shaped actively by Christ. Part of abiding in his word is relenting to the fact that I need to be shaped by him. Because if not, I'm going to be actively shaped by the world around me. That's the nature of worship again, right? And that's why he said, listen, when Paul the apostle was talking to the Roman Gentiles who hadn't been exposed to the word before, He explained it this way. He said, let me make it very plain to you. Romans chapter 12. He said, therefore, in view of God's mercy, let us live, let's offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And he says, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern. The way people do relationships the way people think about themselves, the way people think about business and money and ethics, there's a pattern to it, right? These are the conversations that you have on a daily basis. And if we're not being proactively shaped by Christ, abiding in his word, 
then we're passively being shaped by the world around us. You're either actively being shaped by Christ or you're passively being shaped by the world around you. That's why he said it's so important that you abide, meaning to live and to dwell in his word. To dwell, to live there, constantly renewing your mind. He says be transformed, though, by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern. And how many people know you need discernment nowadays, especially with all these topics and conversations that are going on? To be able to identify with Christ, you need discernment. And he says you'll be able to, through the transforming of your mind, the renewal of your mind, be transformed. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect in him. Meaning that you need to love God, what Jesus said, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It is not good enough to leave out any one of them. Your heart is your affections. Your mind is your intellect. That needs to abide in the word of Christ and his meta-narrative. Your soul, your affections, your will, your decision-making, how you spend your life, and your strength, your activity, your pursuits, what you do in response to it. He's saying, listen, this verb, this verb conformed, you need to understand in the Greek was a passive tense. I know I've already said it, but I'm going to say it one more time. It is a passive tense, which means that if you are not pushing against the pattern of the world, you will be shaped by it. But if you are actively abiding in Christ's word, you will be shaped by him. And that's what it means whenever he's saying to the people, listen, if I set you free, you're going to be free indeed. And I know that you're the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father, right? All the messages that you hear on a daily basis, the pattern of this world that's trying to shape you. And when we're asking the question, who's your daddy, it's sort of like, who is shaping you? Who is shaping you in your philosophies, in your ideologies, in your ethics, in your moralities? What you uphold as good and that which you declare unequivocally as evil. God is saying, I am good. And everything that I made was intended to be good. And everything that I had for you was good. Now let me free you to worship me and experience that good. But you've got to submit to me and my word to do so. C.S. Lewis said, if a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what he made, <clears throat> is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them, meaning human beings, free will? 
Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. And is that not the truth? Relational terms. You don't want to be forced into any relationship, do you? You don't want to be forced to give somebody love. Love is really love when it's voluntary. And God says, free will is there, but I'm telling you, be conformed to my pattern that you might give it to me freely. Jesus ultimately fought the battle for us, voluntarily laying down his life for our sins of the cross. He became sin so that we might not only take the, he might not only take the punishment for our sin, but redeem us, meaning to buy us back from its power, having paid the price of our servitude. Martin Luther said it this way, either sin is with you lying on your shoulders or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, if it is lying on your back, you are lost. But if it is resting on Christ, you are free and you will be saved. Now choose what you want. In Christ, this is the point. We are no longer slaves, but free to live as children of God in his resurrection power as we choose to love him as he loved us. If he's our daddy, we get the benefits of him being our daddy. Isn't that good news? Don't you love your dads? Okay. It's sort of, I hope so. You know, it's sort of like, listen, I love my dad, and it's sort of like, I hope my kids love me at some point. You know, but like, it's sort of like when they first came out, all they wanted was their mom. Did that happen to any other dads in here? It's sort of like for the first two years, I was like, listen, I brought you here. <laughs> you know? Okay. But anyway, it got turned around eventually. And the thing is, is that, listen, I love my dad, and I love the fact that I get to return love to him in the way that he's um, um, given it to me. God wants the same from us. And final thought is this, A.W. Tozer said, in almost everything that touches our everyday life on earth, God is pleased through this freedom. God is pleased when we're pleased. He wills that we be as free as birds. That's for you, Barbara. Free as birds to soar and sing our maker's praises without anxiety. Without anxiety because we're doing it his way. I don't have to look over my back anymore. I don't have to take all types of tests to wonder the repercussions of my sin anymore. Anybody who used to live in sin knows what I'm talking about, okay? It's sort of like, I don't have to go through that anymore. I'm free of anxiety because I'm free to live for him. And the point is, he's got it not just for us in here, but for everyone who would choose him. Amen? All right, good news. Worship team, let's worship this king. Like a bird. (laughs) Okay.